do you want to make an attempt to describe the, the situation we find ourselves in oh. right now? Uh, well, it's in the evening. Um, it's dark outside. There's some warm tungsten-colored lamps around us. Um, we have some recording equipment with us which we use to record our uh, podcast known to the world as Obscurigami, a journal of the obscure, an audio journal, excuse me. An audio journal of the obscure, pointlessly educational. That's another thing that we that could we, use that to we describe say, That we say about, uh, say about this podcast. Right, right. Uh, overwhelmingly unpopular. That's That's a good one. <laughs> ranked in the top uh 50,000 podcasts um Ooh, I don't, uh, actually i don't know that's really might not that's even really be, optimistic that's, yeah that's, <laughs> we're probably not in the top 50,000 no i don't i wouldn't think so i would I like mean, to think that we're in the bottom 50,000 of podcasts <laughs> well that's that's definitely definitely that would be true. moving up in the world right that's probably uh, podcast where we make a lot of jokes about our podcast and how obscure it is yeah i wonder it's banter banter yeah banter there's some topics there's some banter it's meta banter some people they come for the banter you know they might not care about uh jonathan c grenup or northrup or whoever we're talking about today i don't really remember uh benjamin c grenup that's his name that's who we're uh, talking about today? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, um, well, I guess we'll dispense with the banter then and go ahead and start talking about this group. <clears throat> well, unless unless the banter is what the people are here for. And then, right. But well, I guess to just skip ahead. If that's, I think the only way we can know that is if we do some, like, market research. Like a poll or something. Like a survey. Right. Yeah. Um, Let us know if you're interested in taking our survey. <laughs> here, here's what I'll tell you to do. If you like the banter, download this episode twice. And if you are here for the topics, only download it once, and then we'll tally it up. <laughs> okay, all right. Take our survey for a chance to win absolutely nothing at all. Yes. Twice. Yeah. A chance to win a free copy of the next episode. All right. Benjamin. Today we're going to talk about a topic, uh, a fella... Uh, a fella topic Th- who bears the same moniker as you uh, oh. his name was benjamin c grenup so i stumbled across this situation uh in researching activities uh in washington dc my wife and i recently made a trip to washington dc i hope you had fun spent a few days there it was very enjoyable uh walked around museums mostly mm-hmm. um and I I was you know looking for an offbeat sort of stuff to do. We didn't do anything offbeat, but nonetheless I looked, um, and I came across this very peculiar monument that exists in Washington D.C. Uh, and then in my further research, uh, came to realize that it's probably one of the most peculiar monuments that exists possibly in the world. 
or at least in the U.S., um, with some stipulations. I'll get to that later. But Benjamin C. Grenup was a firefighter in Washington, D.C. Uh-huh. in 1856, or 1856 was the year of his death. Ah. Uh, but he was he was a part of the Columbia Fire Company number one, mm-hmm. um, and in the early 1800s, fire companies were just starting to be developed, um, so they were pretty new. In D.C., prior to that time, uh, all they had was uh, a law that required building owners to have a leather bucket. Um, I think it was maybe one per building or one per story per building. Just somewhere on the premises. Right. Yeah, that way you could have your bucket chains and put out fires. Eventually, people started to realize that wasn't really adequate, and so they started to form fire companies mm-hmm. um and so this was kind of in the early days of, of fire companies fire engines at this time were still or at least the ones that they were using in benjamin c grenup's uh F- columbia fire company number one were mm-hmm. hand pull fire engines so the firemen would actually themselves pull the fire engine no mm-hmm. horses or anything like that right so long story short age 24 young chap benjamin c grenup He's killed in action, killed in the line of duty, rushing to put out a fire. Mm-hmm. He is run over by his own fire engine, pulled by his own f- fire comrades, fellow firemen. Uh, and he he's run over. The, the men realize what's happened, and he dies a, f- a few minutes later. Um, Great Scott. Yeah, this was for a long time considered the the first recorded instance of a fireman dying in action in the United States. Wow. Um, that since seems suspicious. They said something mm-hmm. at his funeral about this not having happened in a long time, which mm-hmm. makes it seem like there probably was other <laughs> such instances. Right. Um, and clearly people would have died in fires. Right. People died in fires. Fire-related accidents. Yes. Yeah. Surely, you know, firefighting is pretty dangerous. You can imagine firemen probably died before this in fighting fires. But mm-hmm. his particular instance is, was quite unusual, getting mm-hmm. run over by the fire truck itself. Mm-hmm. Fire engine pulled by his own men. How many men would it take to pull <clears throat> one of these? Four or five, maybe. Okay. Um, so this leads us to the Benjamin C. Grenup Monument, or more casually known as the Runover Fireman Monument. So he's at the Glenwood Cemetery now. This obelisk monument was erected over his tomb. And it was sculpted by uh, uh, Benjamin Rousseau. Rousseau? Ah. Another Benjamin Another sculpted it. Relatives. Little is known about this sculptor. Uh, he was hmm. possibly Belgian. Okay. Other than that, really nothing is known about him. He, so this is the person that sculpted his tombstone his, or the monument? The or monument. Are those the same thing? No, it's the same thing. The monument is over top of his tombstone. Okay. Um, so is this tombstone in the middle of a graveyard? Or is yes, it, it is close in, to the street? It is or? in a cemetery. 
Okay. Right. So it's not a monument in the sense of the Washington Monument. Right. It, it is in a... It's not a publicly maintained... I or believe, is it? Is it, it I believe it is. Yeah. You, and you can go and visit it and see it. Okay. And, and uh, it's in a public cemetery, right. I believe, uh, is what it is. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. Um, but I will record it for, you know... Posterity. Pos- I will place it onto this podcast, which who knows how long it'll exist until the internet ruptures. But anyway, on this monument, uh, it contains several things. On the west side is inscribed the names of the monument committee, uh, C. Kaufman, W.P. Hicks, and P. Kraft. Uh, so they wanted their names on there, you know, mm-hmm. as you would if you, if you made the monument. If you were part of a committee like uh, that. The south side is signed with the, the sculptor's name. The north side has some information about uh, Benjamin, age 24, killed in the discharge of his duty May 6th, 1856. This monument is erected by the Columbia Engine Company Number 1, which, by the way, is still an engine company to this day by a slightly different name, um, to perpetuate the memory and noble deeds of a gallant fireman, a truer, nobler, trustier heart, more loving or more loyal, never beat within the human breast. Um, wow. There's some there's some other information, but the most interesting part are the reliefs that, uh, or specifically a relief that <laughs> depicts quite the scene on the side of this. I hope that this monument people have half as many nice things to say about me as, after I kick the bucket. Yeah. Or after I get run over by <laughs> by a engine. fire engine. Well, you know, whichever comes. He's first. you're gonna have to be creative because yeah. he's already got truer, nobler, trustier, more loving, more loyal. I mean, gallant like the gallant. I mean, you're running out of this adjectives. guy. Must have been, whew, yeah. You know, at age 24. So, on the left side, we've got kind of this like cross of an axe and a some fire tools. It looks kind of like a, a fireman's <clears throat> axe crossed with a viking axe like a battle yeah, axe yeah pretty you know standard stuff you might see on a monument like this mm-hmm. um apparently this insignia is used by by the fire by company? F- various fire companies ah. throughout history um also all these photos are on the wikipedia page i'll link to it in the show notes you really should take a look at the pictures uh it's kind yes, of important do. to this so this relief is is probably what what leads to the uh, fame of this monument. Um, On one side, on the back of the monument, there's a relief of uh, Benjamin's scene of death. Uh, And you can see very clearly uh, four firemen, uh, or two of them kind of unknowingly pulling the the fire engine, um, one sort of realizing that they've they've come they've hit some sort of bump or or uh, obstacle in the road, and then you can see poor Benjamin Grin up there lying under the wheel of the fire Riding engine, in agony, uh, looking looking pretty worse for the wear, and uh, and then another one of his firemen just with his hands up in the air, probably exclaiming. Uh, in surprise, and he he looks a a little a little worried about the situation. That's yeah. He there's there's uh so th- it's it's quite the scene. It's quite the scene, and quite 
graphically depicted. I, um, that the pose of the gentleman at the back is really <laughs> really opens up a ton of opportunities for creative graffiti. I mean, just the the captions that you could place and there's even there's even plenty of space at the top to add yeah speech bubbles you like really you could you could insert plenty of comments into this man's <laughs> mouth it's truly remarkable bass relief yeah it's uh it's pretty phenomenal so not not only is this the the only gr- tombstone i've ever come across that depicts the the death the, of the death person of the interred. person uh in there it doesn't look particularly noble either no 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 not at all uh it, it looks like this man was killed in an accident because his comrades were incompetent yeah is what this picture screams. no like this guy right here in the front is almost smiling he looks quite <laughs> jovial he's just you know, going to save a fire. I mean, this seems almost medieval. It reminds it's, me of yeah, like the medieval depictions of the saints being, you know, mutilated and killed in various ways. Yeah, but the, all the characters have very neutral facial expressions, right? Or even serene, <clears throat> right? Religious sort of expressions on their faces, despite the fact that they're boiling <laughs> someone in oil. Yeah, no, it, it really has that that sort of um, quality. So. I guess that's what they were going for. I don't know. This begs the question: What were they thinking? Uh, <laughs> the 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 committee that commissioned this, right. uh, you know, apparently they thought it was a good enough idea that they put their names on the monument. Right. Um, but the name of the identity of the artist is somewhat mysterious. Yeah. The the identity of the artist is not much is known about him. Not much is really known about Benjamin Grenup or his fellow firemen or really much surrounding this situation yeah at least that i was i mean do we know able to dig up what was on fire do we know how he came to fall beneath the wheel no none of that information none of that information is preserved at least that you know i was able to stumble across in my in your research few days of research um remarkable yeah so the only sort of lead i could uncover as as far as to want what may have inspired this sort of i guess glorification because you're right it almost is depicting him as sort of a martyr Mm -hmm. um this sort of glorification of his death is the fact that at this time fire companies apparently were very competitive um Mm-hmm. And they would kind of vie for territory, and they treated it as a competition. That climate may have led to sort of the self-aggrandizement of their mm-hmm. profession or their company or whatever that they felt right. this type of monument was necessary or a good idea. Or yeah, um, uh, were firefighters in these early days volunteers? He was a volunteer fire fighter. Yes. Oh, it does. They do know that they were en route to a fire at Shreve's stable okay. on Seventh Street, but that's a that's about it. So hmm. I don't know. It's it's possible that the you know fever pitch of competition led to them yeah 
a lot of times in volunteer efforts too there's a, a stronger sense of pride right because people are doing what they're doing voluntarily on purpose for yeah. the sake of doing it not for the sake right. of pay or and it, it, anything it, like that and it makes sense to and honor that, the yeah. life of a 24 year old who's killed voluntarily trying to help other people right uh the fact that they just chose to do it in such a uh sort of graphic but simultaneously hilarious way is is a little head scratching it is but um well i hope that uh the good mr grenup if he's aware in whatever afterlife he's in of uh what happened as a result of his death i hope that he feels satisfied or happy in some way yeah i wonder what his you know friends and relations thought of it when they saw it unveiled yeah that that was a question i had um and i can't imagine they were like thrilled about it i don't know i mean the kind of the modern equivalent would be like if you had a photo of like the crumpled car somebody died in yeah. and like you put that on like laser engraved onto your onto headstone. your headstone i don't know it's it's odd so this thing. i was worried i was worried that a single monument that we don't know much about might not make for a full episode so i did some digging to try to find what other kind of strange bizarre monuments might be out there in the world uh-huh. um and it really led me to find that there's not that many like this at least that kind of make you think like what were they thinking mm-hmm. um there's a lot of strange monuments out there but mm-hmm. most of them are intentionally strange right um you know modern art type pieces or things that were made intended to get your with attention the, yeah intention of subverting the norms right. this one i think is unique in that it seems entirely sincere right but it's still pretty bizarre it's unintentionally yeah it's the room hilarious it's the room of uh monuments mm. really i think mm. i did however come across one other not technically a monument but sort of sculpture situation that i think is worth mentioning because it it's it's humorous by all means um this is far be it from us on the obscure gami podcast to do anything for a cheap laugh yeah this is the chained rock in pineville kentucky um pineville kentucky has a boulder on a mountain beside their city town Mm -hmm. uh that kind of looms over the town hangs over the town (laughs) not it's not directly over the town but it does look like (laughs) from the town from the perspective of the town it does look like if this boulder were to come off of the mountain Uh it would roll right into the town right uh probably be pretty disastrous if it did happen i would imagine so uh so in 1993 there was a chain a 3,000 pound chain uh, hauled to the top of the mountain uh, and it extends now from a, another point on the mountain across a gap to the the boulder and seemingly holds the boulder in place from uh, ever slipping loose and, and crushing the town below. Uh-huh. The story behind why this chain came to be there is 
is quite interesting. The, the story is that people in the town told their children that the rock was chained um, mm-hmm. in order to ease their fears about the rock tumbling right. and crushing the town. Um, well, I would, I would imagine if you looked up right. as a child and yeah, saw it would a be, huge rock. Apparently, right. Apparently, th- it was a common enough problem that it was commonplace within the town to just right. tell your children, oh, the rock is chained. It's all right. So it's they, can, okay. they can sleep. They can sleep at night, you know. Right. Uh, so fi- this, this story must have been passed around for quite a few years until finally in 1993, they decided to make a 3,000-pound chain cut it in half, <laughs> haul it up the mountain with mules, assemble it at the top, and actually chain the rock to the mountain in, in I guess, monument to this, right. this legend. Uh, their commitment to the legend was such that they put on, on the plaque uh, describing the chain that the current chain replaced a previous chain, oh my. Uh, which didn't actually ever exist. Wow. Uh, so the the legendary chain was replaced by the real <laughs> chain uh and the plaque attests to that to this day. Heavens to Betsy. So that's a that's a small uh small little bonus bonus round, wow. obscure gummy bonus round. That's a that's quite a remarkable little piece of American folklore there. Here I'll uh we have a Yeah, I'll show you it's a... There it is. Yep. It's a rock with a chain on it. Chain's looking kind of rusty. Yeah, but it's, it's still it's, there. It's probably time to replace the chain eventually. Do you have a photo that shows it in juxtaposition with the town? Uh, I think I might here. That's a different angle. That's where it's connected. There's the town, so you can okay, see. Okay, yeah, you can kind of. Kind see. of. Yeah, there's none that sh- you can't. I guess you can't really see the chain from the town per se. I, I thought you were gonna say that um, when all the people that heard all their lives that the rock was chained found out that there wasn't a chain they were like well we have to put we a chain to, up now well we don't really know that might be what happened apparently you know the story was going around for quite some time before they eventually decided to put a chain there yeah. so maybe it was children who had been told it was chained yeah. growing up and then eventually they were like well why, i wonder if it not? was if it was used as a disciplinary tool like be good, do your chores, or the rock or the rock is gonna fall. Yeah, crush kind of like a, a boogeyman. Scenario. Yeah, it may have been. Who knows? Fascinating. Um, it's it's over a hundred feet long, and the uh, chain or the rock, the chain. Yeah, and you can you can hike up there. There's a there's a trail that goes up to it. You can see it. Read the plaque. Yeah, we'll send our operatives. If you're near Pineville, Kentucky, maybe you live in Pineville, Kentucky. Maybe you were told uh, the rock is chained. So that you can sleep at night as a child, uh, write to us and let us know. Please do. Obscuragami at gmail.com or info at obscuragami.com. We should definitely add this to our list of, uh, if we ever create like an Obscuragami world tour. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, we could have like, you go to Attu Island, you go uh-huh. to see the Runover Fireman Monument in D.C., uh-huh. you go to see the Pineville, Rock. Kentucky to see the Change Rock. What are yep. some other things? physical that we can travel to um, uh what was that country in south america that didn't actually exist didn't actually exist we, would we have could to send people there to the modern day equivalent or we could just send them there maybe they'll die in a boating accident <laughs> like the people who were actually sent there that's part of to complete the obscure gummy tour you have to attempt to set sail to 
wherever it was. Right. And, and if uh, you find the place, we'll give you $200,000. Yes. And if you... The land is plentiful. The natives are friendly. <laughs> <laughs> People should go quick and complete the tour now before we're mm. at like hundreds of episodes and then it's just way too yeah, insane. Yeah, then it would be... It's already pretty difficult because just getting yeah. to Attu Island alone yeah. is going to be... Or we could organize like an Obscurigami cruise where we like cruise oh, all yeah. these places. Yeah, that's great. We can, like, we can do a cruise with, you know, obviously we wouldn't be able to get a whole cruise ship right to um, Kentucky. We could <laughs> potentially, it, depending on how many of our listeners are interested in this idea, um, we could just get like a little pontoon boat. Right. And you and me could fit in there, maybe two or three other people. Yeah, and we could do, like, live shows. Hardcore fans, yeah. We could do live shows on the road. Yeah. This is a great idea. See, that's why I'm very excited about the future of this podcast. Because a lot of podcasts, they think too small. Yeah. You know, they start merchandising. Right. They have a Patreon or something. Right. And it's like, okay, you get a t-shirt. Right. Not Obscure Gummy. No, nope. Obscurigami. World Cruise. World Cruise. Pontoon Boat. $1,000 backer level on Patreon. Bring your own you horse. Get a free, you get a free trip on the on the cruise to Attu Island. So, I think that's great. Just keep your eyes open. Keep your ears peeled for that sort of thing, mm-hmm. listeners, I would say, because we got a lot of ideas. Keep Googling Obscurigami Patreon <laughs> until, until it appears. Until it appears. <laughs> <laughs> Well, should we uh, move on to our random Wikipedia article segment? This is a segment of the show where we push the random button, and then uh, a page comes up on Wikipedia, and we we mispronounce things for about ten minutes. So basically, the same technique we use for coming up with the other topics we do right. on the show. Yeah, but just, more or less, just live off the cuff mm-hmm. instead of sort of premeditated yeah one of our super fans has been asking me how we come up with our topics so that's that's part of the answer is we hit the random button well maybe we'll have to do that for like our you know 50th episode q a extravaganza Mm -hmm. or something like that that's definitely coming uh you know we can answer those we're getting really close to 50 behind the scenes yeah this will be episode 19 19 that's really close to 50 (laughs) really close get right up there all right. Especially if you use the dozen also. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> so I've I've hit the button. Uh all right, let's see. I've been pronouncing a lot of uh drug names recently, so maybe maybe I can take a crack at this. Oxaloglycolate. Reductase? Reductase? Decarbo xylating. De-carbo- I think that's supposed to be uh, decarboxylating. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Decarboxylating. Oxal-like... Ox- oxal... Oxal... Is it oxal or oxalog... Oxalog... Oxaloglycolate. Oxaloglycolate. Reductase decarboxylating. Decarboxylating. No, we haven't had a stroke. This is going to be our band name. <laughs> In uh, enzymology, uh, an oxalglycolate reductate reductase decarboxylating 
The decarboxylating is in parentheses. Is an enzyme that catalyzes the chemical reaction. Uh, whoa. And then there's just a whole. And then there's a formula. Deglycerate NADPCO2. I know the CO2. 2 hydroxy 3 oxosuchinate. The four substrates of this enzyme are D, deglycerate, CO2, NAD, NADP, whereas its four products are 2 hydroxy 3 oxosuchinate. None of this means anything to me. Yeah. Uh, oh, this enzyme is in the family of oxidoreductases. So that's helpful. It's referenced in the book Tartaric Acid Metabolism, number six. This enzyme-related page is a stub. You can help Wikipedia by expanding it. Ben, this is the kind of thing we're going to have to talk about in, you know, 20 or 30 years when we've just really... We've really... We've really just talked about pretty much everything there is to talk about when we're done ripping off npr and free economics yeah podcasts that talk about cool stuff we'll have to talk about obscure enzymes what a day that will be that's you know i wouldn't mind talking about it if i understood what it was yeah yeah i mean there's nothing in this stuff i'm assuming if we if we looked up other than that it's an enzyme each of these you know chemicals or something or enzymes or whatever they are it's got carbon dioxide in it. Right. It's got... I got that. Nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide phosphate in it. A lot of chemistry. If we have any chemists out there listening, we urge you to call the Obscure Gummy hotline. <laughs> and... Uh, 1-800... Diclyso <laughs> cola <laughs> hydroxyproxy phosphane. Uh, <laughs> again, that's 1 800 256 789943 9211 Call now. What if we played that back and your numbers were perfect? Oh, like that was the yeah the, the letters to the letters that you were saying. That would be an amazing synchronicity. It would a miracle. The odds are so low, unless I planned all of so it. Solo. Yeah, this podcast is. Uh, I'll no longer have Ben as a part of it. Uh, come see my podcast, Thomas Talks obscure topics uh i'm going solo bye now and if you're interested in finding out more about what i'm up to you can check out my band oxygo carbolite <laughs> diaphanous <laughs> phosphate number 12 ben if if people wanted to know more about that particular enzyme or right. really actually if people didn't want to know People wanted to know more about things that aren't that particular uh-huh. enzyme, yeah, but are about this podcast. Uh, where obscuregummy.com? Oh, would be yeah, a yeah, pretty yeah, good yeah. place to check out. We've got show notes on there, right? There's some show notes, yeah. um, some cool artwork, yeah. Um, you can find us on YouTube, subscribe to the podcast, and a number of pod catching apps. You got your Overcast, you got your iTunes, you got your Google Play, you got your Stitcher, you got your Sketcher, you got your. 
your, your, new, balance, and your, your new balance your nike your uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> all righty uh and you can send us an email at info at obscuregummy.com boy oh boy don't push stop oh okay now you can push stop textilfiber textkritik textur temsen <tryck>